Hi there, Evan Knappen here, and you're listening to Gun Lawyer. Say, you know what, today I want to talk about something really, really important and hot in the news, and it just has implications beyond New Jersey. You see, this is a particular bill that I want to explain that I think is going to be a trend it's going to be something that we're going to see cropping up all over the place in other anti-gun bills. This bill didn't just happen. This idea didn't just come along. This is uh, pretty nefarious. Now, the bill itself is a, quote, safe storage bill, a gun safe storage bill. And it was put forward into the New Jersey Senate it's Bill 3757. Now, there's nothing that new about mandating safe storage. A matter of fact, requiring firearms be locked up and non-accessible has been found to be unconstitutional, specifically in the Heller decision. So these seminal landmark key case on the Second Amendment, Heller decided and opined flat out that you can't have that as a law. That That is unconstitutional interference with your right to keep and bear arms. And that is an individual right. Now, of course, why should simply a Supreme Court declaring something unconstitutional ever stop anti-gunners from doing what they want, right? So they still go around proposing the uh, and trying to put forward the safe storage bills Basically, lock up your safety is what they're saying. And this particular one in New Jersey is is particularly bad. I mean, there's no question about that. But it has a component in it that I that has to be emphasized. It's a component in this bill that has mandatory re-education for the gun owner, like a re-education camp. You know, like the communists do. I mean, for real. Re-education and forced labor. Forced labor where the individual is forced to work for an anti-gun group of the government's choosing. I mean, it's, it's absolutely shocking. So let me explain first just how bad the safe storage bill is itself. Because... Although right at this moment, because of getting the word out, it has been pulled from the Senate committee, it's going to be back in the Assembly, and it's not completely going away. We're going to keep battling this and battling this. There's no question that this is going to be a fight and a continuing fight, and we're, we're essentially delaying it and delaying it and getting the our forces out to understand the implications and to fight it. Well, this safe storage bill mandates that all firearms, quote, not in use at a premises that the owner controls, have to be unloaded and in a gun safe or securely locked box or container. And it requires that all ammunition is separately stored in a separate lockbox or, con- or container. So 
even if you have one box of ammo, it's got to be in a separately locked box from the firearm. So if you have a firearm that you have in a quick access lock box, you know, the type where you use your fingers, where you have to hit the code or it's a fingerprint reader, and it's safe in there because you know the code and you can access it and your gun's loaded in the lockbox so that if you have young children, you've taken the precautions so they can't get in because it's only you with your ability to get into that box. You cannot have a loaded gun in a lockbox anymore in New Jersey In if this bad. No less a loaded gun not in a lockbox, but even in a lockbox. You have a loaded gun in your safe in case somebody ever at gunpoint forces you to try to open your safe. You can't have that. Your guns have to be unloaded in your safe. Even if you have a safe for other valuables, money and jewels and collectible coins and all kinds of things, and you keep a loaded handgun in there for just that purpose. So in case you need to grab it, you cannot have a loaded handgun in there under this bill. So it is an outrageous bill in and of itself, and it's so poorly written, and it sets out you know, having to lock up all the ammo. So essentially, under this so-called safe storage bill, and this is where they fool the legislators, where they, they put it forward with something where, you know, who could be against safe storage of guns? Gun owners are in favor of safely storing their guns. We all want to store our guns safely. But as you know, there is judgments that have to take place as to what is safe storage for each individual. And if there's no young children in your house, if everybody's licensed to carry even in your house or, or adult and familiar with guns, then your safe storage of that gun is a different level than for people who may be disqualified to handle guns or too young to handle guns or have other disabilities, right? It's a different world. Well, it doesn't matter. This is a one-size-fits-all law, you see. And so, under New Jersey's law, if, if there's an emergency, here's what you need to do. Imagine this now. You have to get into your safe or lockbox, right? You have to get to it. Then you got to unlock it. Then you got to retrieve your firearm. Then you got to open your other separate lockbox. Then retrieve your ammunition. Then load the magazine or the cylinder. Then insert in your magazine. Then rack the slide. Then close the cylinder. And then only you can use your firearm to defend yourself and your family if you're still alive. Because you can't let anyone else touch your loaded gun on the premises where you have control. So if you are, you know, attacked by a gang of uh, MS-13 Democrats and you are wounded, uh, you can't legally hand that gun to your wife to defend you. And not only that, there's no exemption put in here for gun shops, gun dealers, gunsmiths. I mean, it's ridiculous. So every box of ammo is going to have to be under lock and key at a gun store. Every Firearms are going to have to be in a locked container. Can't display any guns at all, even in a safe way. Nope, everything has to be locked up. 
So as bad and as outrageous and as insane as this so-called safe storage is, the part that is really just mind-boggling is this idea of mandatory re-education and forced labor for an anti-gun group. Because what the law says is for the first offense where you are found not to have locked up that one box of 22s, right, or, or whatever, for your first offense, you're sentenced to a period of community service of not less than 10 hours or more than 40 hours. You're forced to work for free for between 10 to 40 hours with an entity, that's what they're calling it, an entity with knowledge and experience in the prevention of gun violence by the Attorney General. Now, isn't it cute how the whole law is about safe storage and gun safety and safety, 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 but the group that you have to work for is not a gun safety group that teaches gun safety because then you could actually do work for like the NRA, right? The number one trainer in safety in the country. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a prevention of gun violence group. Ah, you mean Giffords and Everytown and all those moms that need action, okay? Those are the groups that you're going to have to work for because they're about the prevention of gun violence. We have to separate out gun violence from any other type of violence. And this now mandates forced labor for you in this anti-gun political organization. And what is this approved entity? What are the characters? This is in the law now, folks. An approved entity shall offer community service that incorporates gun violence prevention education. Gee, is that the biggest euphemism? Gun violence prevention education. You mean anti-gun propaganda 101. That's what you're talking about. And ready for this, folks? And it effectuates behavioral change to meet the goals of gun violence prevention. Oh, what? Oh, what's that behavioral change? What, what could that? Oh, you mean don't have a gun? You mean that, quote, behavioral change? It's the goal of every so-called gun violence prevention group is to eliminate your guns and your gun rights? You mean that behavioral change? Yeah, that. And don't worry, it further says in the law that an approved entity may provide online instruction related to gun violence propaganda. Oh, I'm sorry, gun violence prevention. And it can provide gun violence prevention films. Films. What is this, like Eyegate when you were like a kid in school? You know, oh, make that guy do the AV. Oh, look, great, it's an Eyegate fil Films. But whatever, a gun says that. And gun violence prevention interventional activities as part of hospital-based gun violence intervention program. Oh, you know, that is. That's a so-called suicide hotline. But what it really is 
is the health care duty to warn, quote unquote. And what that means is that it's a basis to effectuate gun seizures throughout the state. And that's another thing Jersey has in place is that. So all this and you're forced to get this labor requirement done under the threat of prison, right? You got to do it. And to, and to subject yourself to the propaganda of the anti-gun groups, otherwise you go to prison, right, or jail. And so this is the thing about this law that I think is extremely important because this isn't there just by chance because then you know the gun prevention groups that run this, well, they can then get money from the state for their community service programs. These great programs are running too. Don't think that's not in it. And this way they get to get gun owner after gun owner and put them through the mill, put them through their re-education camp, their brainwashing, and force it upon every gun owner. It is incredible. It needs to be recognized for what it is. It needs to be opposed anytime you see it. Folks, this is scary stuff. And this didn't just happen. This is some think tank anti-gun machination. Basically, you can sum it up as, you will work as a slave for the anti-gunners, or you will be imprisoned and your guns expropriated to the government. That's that law in a nutshell. When we come back, we got some more fascinating things to tell you. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. there um back with gun lawyer and i want to thank you for being loyal listeners please make sure you subscribe to this podcast it gives me the ability to fill you in on this stuff that uh 
they don't want you to know about. They really don't want you to know about it. Let me tell you, these bills, the way they write it, the way they pass it, this information, the these tech lords are up against with the shadow banning and the algorithms and you name it, this is at least a forum where you can know the truth and protect yourself and beware. And so please tell your friends, subscribe to Gun Lawyer. Anywhere you get your favorite podcasts, we're there. We're there. So, you know, I get interesting letters from folks, and I really appreciate when I do getting these letters. And um, somebody actually sent me a, a, an email, and they, uh, they wanted me to discuss about whether getting a curio and relic license, particularly in New Jersey, but it applies elsewhere as well. Is getting a curio and relic license a good idea? And I wanted to talk about that, especially in the context of if you live in anti-gun states. Because, you know, the curio and relic license or the collector's license that you can get federally can be helpful in certain states and such if you're a collector because you're able to acquire your firearms without having to go through a dealer if they're considered curious and relic or antique or older than 50 years, et cetera, on the gun, on the list of curious and relics. So there's advantages in certain states for that. But you see, in New Jersey, it isn't a big advantage at all because if you're in New Jersey, there's still a state law that mandates that you uh, have to acquire either from a dealer or use pistol purchase permit, et cetera. And the real problem that came about with this, and I had a case right on this, was when uh, an individual had had a curio and relic license federally, you know, federal collector license, and he had it for 20-plus years in New Jersey. And what the state police did was... They did a merger of the federal licensees, those with FFLs, and compared it to the list of New Jersey retail dealers. And in so doing, they looked at anybody that had a federal license but did not have a New Jersey retail dealer license as essentially being an unlicensed dealer. Now, of course, a curio and relic license isn't a dealer license. It's a collector license. But that didn't seem to stop them. And what they did was uh, uh, they ended up from an inspection on the collector side, on the curio and relic side, they were given the report on a silver platter by the feds. And that's something that happens uh, often because uh, e even at one point the, uh, there are certain New Jersey State Police that were technically in ATF. They were mutually uh, working for one another, and the exchange of data was taking place. And so even though the Curio and Relic licensee did nothing wrong federally, and in fact didn't do anything wrong stateside, but we'll get to that in a minute, it didn't stop that from a raid taking place with a allegation of being an unlicensed dealer. And all my client's guns were seized. His 
Books were seized. Everything was taken. And he ended up getting indicted in county court for the unlawful uh, sale of guns and for possession of a assault firearm and for having large capacity magazines and for lawfully making acquisitions and, you know, all these uh, felony level charges because every gun law in Jersey is a felony level, just dumping this entire uh, mess on him over this. And from the face of it, I'm sure you're thinking, well, it sounds like he was a bad guy with all this, doesn't it? But the fact is, he wasn't one bit. He was an absolute good guy. He kept his records meticulous. He did everything right. He did nothing that was illegal. And so I brought a motion to dismiss all these charges because actually all his acquisitions were lawful and any of the acquisitions that he made were done out of state. New Jersey law didn't apply. His possession was legal because it was exempt. His assault firearm, so-called, had been rendered inoperable and proper paperwork registered. The magazines were properly blocked. Everything. It actually was a case where my client was 100% innocent, truly innocent of any of these charges. And I brought a motion to dismiss them all. And the judge granted the motion, dismissed all the charges, saw that as a matter of law, my client was 100% in the right. And I was like, that's great. My client was happy. I mean, it's a shame he had to go through. But what caused it was the Curion Relic license, okay? So what does this mean? It meant what a pain, but at least he could move on now, right? Wrong. Wrong. Because in this county's prosecutor's office, there was uh, one of their investigators who thought they knew about guns, but the guy was just a moron about guns, and somehow convinced the prosecutor that, no, 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 this is all wrong. And this prosecutor brings a superseding indictment, re-indicts on everything after the judge dismissed it all. Doesn't matter. Re-indicted. And so this is just outrageous. I said, how long are we going to play this game? You're going to keep indicting and I'm going to keep bringing motions to dismiss? No, 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 no. This is going to end. This is going to end. So how do we end it? Because, folks, you know about Jeopardy. You know about Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy is when, you know, you can't get tried twice for the same offense. And you may say, well, you had all the charges dismissed. Doesn't that give your client Jeopardy? And the answer is no. Because you don't get jeopardy until the jury is actually seated. You got to have the trial. You got to have the jury seated or the trial begin. You know, an actual trial, then found not guilty. Now you have jeopardy. But if it's just dismissed, then no, doesn't necessarily mean anything. They could rebring if they wish. So that's what happened. And what I said here was you know what? We need a trial right away. Let's try this thing. And here's the part that was so interesting because when we asked for the trial, I said, Judge, my client wants to waive his right to a jury trial. Now, look, I love jury trials. I appreciate our right to a jury trial. 
We all get that. But you know what? When I just had a judge dismiss the case based on the law, why would I want a jury? I want this judge to hear this case. He already knows based on the law where we're going, and it has already spoken to that. So I said, well, client's waiving his right to a jury. Judge, we'll have a bench trial before your honor on it. And do you know that the prosecutor objected? Objected to my client waiving his right. It's not the state's rights. It's my client's right to a jury. Objected to my client waiving his right to a jury trial. The judge is probably like, what? What are you like? What are you kidding me? You don't have any right to object to my client to a defendant waiving his right to a jury trial. Now, why do you think the prosecutor wanted to waive? Wanted wanted a a jury trial. Why do you think he wanted jury trial? Because he wanted twelve people who aren't smart enough to avoid jury duty that he could fool about guns, that he could scare about guns, that they could use all the pejoratives, assault firearm and large capacity magazine and gun violence and all that stuff to fool the jury. And this judge wasn't having any of it, and neither was my client. So we went to trial on his matter, and this other character from the state, their so-called expert, was one of the biggest liars I have ever had on the stand. It was incredible to see this guy actually say the things that he said. It was startling in its false, in, in his false testimony, just startling. I mean, and, and his actions were at one point talking about the definition of antique firearm. And it, in it, it talks about firing fixed ammunition or not. And the judge goes to this guy for the state, their so-called expert, and says, uh, oh, um, hey, what's, what's fixed ammunition? How do you define fixed ammunition? And this guy on the stand takes out his gun, because he was law enforcement as well, takes his gun on the stand, takes his magazine out on the stand. I mean, it's like ridiculous. Takes a cartridge out of his magazine on the stand, holds up the cartridge for the judge to see, and I'm like, saying, oh, my God, the protocol, that's outrageous. But whatever, he's going to now say, of course, that this is fixed ammunition, right? Wrong. He gets out, he says, judge, see this? That's not fixed ammunition. Like, What? He says, what's fixed, fixed ammunition, he says, ready for this, folks, is when the bullet and the cartridge case goes down the barrel as one unit. That is state's expert saying this. So on cross-examination, I jumped on that. As you, you know, you, you define fixed ammunition as when the bullet and the cartridge case goes down the barrel as one unit. Can you give me an example of such a round? He couldn't even tell me such a round. Now, I could actually tell you a round that does that. It's called Gyrojet. You know, it's an obscure cartridge from the 60s. But, hey, he didn't even know that. But that's not what the entire definition of antique firearm is uh, is about, you know, Gyrojet ammo, hardly. But he didn't even know that. He said, no, no, he couldn't. So he couldn't even give an example of what his own definition is. At which time I take out, you know, Stendler's, uh, Stendler's uh, Dictionary on Firearms Terms. 
Oh, what does this say here is uh, fixed ammunition? How about you read that to the judge? Oh, it's actually what you held up in front of him and said was not fixed ammunition. Well, how about shooters, uh, the shooter's Bible lexicon here? What's that say fixed ammunition is? Oh, the same thing. Exactly what you held up in front of the judge and said wasn't fixed ammunition. So then the judge is like looking at this expert like, you're like, what are you crazy? Like, how could he goes? The judge says, well, "Look, I asked you, you know, how do you define fixed ammunition, and you're telling me this when obviously that's not it at all. Why did you say what you said? He's, and you ready for this answer, folks? I'm not making this up." He said, "He said, well, Your Honor, you said how do I define it?" I was like, "What? Is that like say this in your own words?" I just made up my own words. That's not what it means. I mean, what? This is state's expert, folks. Shocking and amazing. I mean, this this guy, I just couldn't believe. Uh, and it went on. I mean, it, this is the rotten, horrible advice that the prosecutor was getting in pursuing this. Needless to say, the case was dismissed with a finding of not guilty on all counts so that uh, it could be... Uh, finally over for my client and something that never should have begun. But the question being, you know, curio and relic license, well, if you live in anti-gun states like New Jersey, beware, because they'll try to use the fact that you're licensed against you. And we see that not just in that context, but when you're stopped in a motor vehicle stop and they see your firearms ID card, oh, now it escalates any guns in the car. They don't care that you're a law-abiding gun owner. They just want to get you with the guns. Law-abiding, schmaw-abiding. It don't matter. They're after the guns, and they cost law-abiding citizens their hopes, their dreams, their freedoms, their life even. They don't care. As long as their anti-gun agenda is being forwarded. And that's what we see every day. So try not to become a victim Beware of these tactics and these techniques. It's out there. And I know it's hard for some of you to believe it, but it's for real. And every day I'm getting uh, cases in of the same stuff happening. And what do the folks say to me? They go, why are they doing this to me? They always say that. And I, I sympathize. Why are they doing this to me? I'm a good guy. I support law enforcement. I do. I've never done anything wrong. Why are they doing this to me? And that answer is purely political and based on an evil anti-freedom agenda. And it is there and it's being put forward with more laws, more aggressive enforcement. And uh, at some point, I don't know what's going to stop it, but something's going to. Maybe the Supreme Court, when it finally gives its decision in June on the uh, New York State case. We can always hope. But anyway, folks, till then, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer.
The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.